Amen to that. Thanks, fellas. Isn't it good to be here? Some good songs, some great prayers, uh, some good moments. Now we get to turn our attention to Jesus himself and what he says. Um, If I haven't met you before, my name is Greg DeMay, one of the pastors here. If you're Irish, happy day, even if you're not Irish. There's always one. Dude, look at my belt buckle. Look at that. (laughs) All right. On to more important things. Uh, This is the second week in the season of Lent. Every year during this season, uh, the church is specially caused to fix our eyes on Jesus, who he is, what he does, the path that he walked, season where we ask difficult questions like, how on board am I? With Jesus? Am I just kind of interested, kind of intrigued, or am I really on board? The cover of your worship folder today, this image on the screen, uh, is meant to provoke us each week in asking one of these spiritual questions about ourselves. And today, I'm going to gently encourage you to ask this question How on board are you really with who Jesus is and where he wants to lead you in his life? Jesus' path was not an easy or pleasant one. And if you are on his path for you, high, high likelihood, it is not going to be an easy or a totally pleasant one. On the St. Patrick's Day, I do want to remember a few of the facts of Patrick's life. Patrick was born not in Ireland, but in England, about the year 400 AD. Uh, He was kidnapped as a 16-year-old boy and taken by slave traders and pirates across the narrow straits of the Irish Sea to be a slave who took care of animals in Western Ireland. Sounds like a great way to grow up, right? About six years later, he was able to escape, was a stowaway on another ship, and sailed back to England and was reunited with his family. Now, as a young adult in his early 20s, he started following Jesus and taking God seriously, uh, He began his formal education. He actually started uh, training to go into ministry formally. And somewhere along the way, young Patrick uh, had a dream or a vision. Now, there's lots of legends about St. Patrick. Uh, This much we know from his own writings to be true. Patrick had a dream, and he says this, I saw a man in my dream as if he were coming from Ireland. His name was Victoricus. This is a very old-fashioned name, okay? And he carried a letter. He brought me the letter, and I read on the top of it, it said, the voice of the Irish. And as I began the letter, I imagined in that moment that I heard a voice from those very people who were near to the Western Sea, and they cried out as with one voice to me, we appeal to you, holy servant boy, come back. And walk among us. Now, even if God gave you a vision, would you ever return to the people where you once served as a slave? I mean, like if God came to you and were like, hey, I want you to take a demotion and move south of the border. I mean, I would be like, "Ah, I don't think so. I mean, Patrick was called to go back to the land where he was enslaved, and he did so immediately. 
and the world and civilization in the Western world has never been the same as a result of this man walking a difficult but obedient path in Jesus' name. That is why it's worth celebrating St. Patrick's Day. All the other stuff, like it's good, clean fun. Mostly good, clean fun. (laughs) But like this guy actually walked the difficult road of Jesus and did something so, so hard. In short, friends, this is why it takes us 40 days and 40 nights every Lent uh, to observe because the path that Jesus walked and our path might just be uneasy. It might be very difficult. There might be really tall order, hard things that are asked of us. And most days, we walk through our lives with this false impression that we, that I, am the of my own life. That I am the captain of all the details and circumstances of my own life. But if you've lived more than just a few years, if you've lived into adolescence, you have already had the experience that you will be in strange places, in circumstances not of your own choosing, in times of trouble and serious testing. Even if you are walking a, different, a difficult my friend, the question this morning is this. Fully on board with Jesus? Or you want to do it your own way? Do you want to be on the side of the light? Do you want to trust God the Father for direction? Jesus faced these difficult questions time and time and time again. Oh, how he was tested. The gospel reading for today comes from Luke chapter 13, one of these moments of testing comes just as Jesus is entering Jerusalem for the final time toward the end of his life. Here's what the gospel says. At that time, again, in Jerusalem, some Pharisees, those dear, dear people, they came to Jesus and said to him, if he'd be the voice of the Pharisees, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. King Herod, that friendly guy. Now, it almost seems like the Pharisees are being kind of referential to Jesus here. What is going on? Jesus replied, go and tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons. I will keep on healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Are the Pharisees being friendly with Jesus here? Highly doubtful. Here's why I think this. Two weeks later, they were planning to murder him. Like, you can have a change of heart, but that seems like a fairly serious change of heart. What are the Pharisees up to? I think they're simply trying to scare Jesus. They are inconvenienced by his presence. Jesus gets from the crowd, from the same religious market that the Pharisees get all their adulation and support from. The Pharisees are probably thinking something like this. Oh, this fresh-faced new rabbi. It would be great if he left town sooner rather than later. Maybe we can 
pretend to scare him off with King Herod. And wouldn't that be great if Jesus just left Jerusalem? Jesus, please, exit stage right, spotlight back on us, Pharisees. Probably something like that. Jesus' reply to this false and phony tactic. What animal, what kind of animal does he call Herod, the king? A fox. What does that mean? If you're 50 years old and someone calls you a fox, what are they saying to you? Why is that funny? At the first service, somebody (laughs) catcalled. Like, honestly, we use this term to be like, it's somebody who's maybe past their youth who is like, pleasantly physically attractive, right? If someone is foxy, this is not what it meant in the ancient world. Like in the ancient world, the fox was associated with a cunning, plotting, conniving uh, kind of behavior. The fox was a sly guy. And this is what Jesus says about Herod. Tell that fox. By the way, all the stories in the ancient world about foxes, the fox is never the good guy. Did you ever read Aesop's fables as a kid? Or have like a grandma? People are like, what's Aesop? I will give you one short story, okay? Uh, There's a story of the fox and the stork. So foxes and birds, which is what Jesus is going to talk about this morning. Once upon a time, there was a fox. A stork moved into town. The fox invites the stork over for a friendly dinner or so. The fox serves a five-course meal, but every course comes in a circular, shallow dish. The fox can lick up all the food, and what can the stork do with a long, pointed beak? The stork pretty much starves for the whole meal, and the fox eats double, right? Because the fox gets all the leftovers, too. And the fox is very happy with himself because he invited his neighbor over for dinner, and he got to eat double. Like, that is foxy behavior. Stork, because the stork's parents raised her properly, you know, waits two weeks and then invites the fox over for dinner. What does the stork do? Prepares an incredible meal and serves everything in long, narrow vases. <laughs> so try as hard as the fox can. He can only get his little tongue in the top of it and lap up just a tiny bit of food while the stork eats sumptuously. Right? Can put his beak all the way down to the bottom. The fox goes home. He's a little put out. Takes him a couple days, and then he finally realizes, I just got outsmarted by a stork. Hmm. Because these old stories always have a moral to the story. The moral of the story? Treat other people the way you want to be treated. When Jesus uses the fox analogy... These are the kind of stories that would come to people's minds. In Herod's case, not only is Herod in roughly 30 AD a fox, he comes from a long line of foxes. In 30 AD, it was Harold Antipas. In 0 AD, it was his father, Herod the Great. This is the Herod we read about on Christmas. You remember what he did around 0 AD? That foxy king was so insecure, he actually murdered hundreds of innocent children just to protect his throne because one of them was a promised future king. If you read further, the Herods came from a nation called Edom. 
the sworn arch enemies of Israel, the ones they fought against for years and years and centuries on end, Israel versus Edom. If you go back even further, who is the original father of all the Edomites? Esau. In the womb, Esau wrestled his brother Jacob. So this bad blood between Herod and Jesus goes back literally more than 1,000 years. And Jesus says, go and tell that fox where he can go. If anyone gives you the message, it's come to the attention of management. We need to have a meeting. You might not want to go to It's come to the attention of administration. You have come to the attention of the administration. Please come to room 104. You might want to not go to that meeting. There's a 1% chance somebody's going to give you an award or give you like a 200% raise or do something awesome for you, but 99 times out of 100, if somebody says that message, something bad's going to happen. That is what is going on here. Jesus, you have come to the attention of management. Will you stop, Jesus? Will you get out of here? Will you leave Jerusalem, Jesus? Please, will you just politely keep your distance, Jesus? And Jesus' reply is such a clear, no. No, I will not. Jesus' explanation for himself here is very clear. I heal people. I cast out demons. I'm doing that today. I'm doing that tomorrow. And on the third day, I'll still be doing the same thing. You can hear just a whisper of the cross and the empty tomb here. Jesus is not going to be deterred from his path, from the path that God the Father has set him to walking. Jesus says, I will press on. I will fulfill the mission of God. I will be the Messiah. Now, in a nice twist of irony, he tells the Pharisees to go back to Herod and deliver the message for him that he is not going to stop. I mean, Jesus is the savior of the world. He is also super clever and funny. Like, to me, I'm quite amused that they're trying to scare Jesus off with this threat of Herod, and then Jesus is like, well, go back and tell your friend. I mean, you guys talk all the time, right? I mean, you obviously were just talking to him to give this message to me, so, you know, go back to the evil king who nobody likes, who's the Roman surrogate, who's oppressing our entire nation, you know, that guy you like to hang out with, and tell him. I'm not going to stop. Probably this encounter happened in a big crowd of Jewish folks. The Pharisees are trying to score points, and Jesus gives them exactly the opposite. He shows where their true allegiance lies. Now, in this scene, along with his boldness and his uh, undeterred intent to be the Messiah... Jesus is also filled with sorrow. There's a few more verses in this gospel text, and it finishes this way. Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her knees, but you, you were not willing Look, 
your house, the temple, your house is left to you desolate. And I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus first confronts and now he laments. Why is he sad as he approaches Jerusalem? By the way, in this, in this turn, it's no more foxes, but Jesus has a different animal in mind. All of a sudden, he's talking about chickens and hens. Why is he doing this? Because Jesus is saying when it comes to the people of God, when it comes to us, we, the people of God, we are not like foxes. We are like small baby chicks. Our tiny little feet scurrying around at an impossible speed, making a circuit around the barnyard of life. Have you ever really noticed baby chicks? I mean, they just run around cluelessly, bump into each other, fall over, get up again, and then start running around some more. It's not a flattering picture. (laughs) Jesus laments because he knows there is a bigger fox than Herod. There is a darker fox than Herod peering over the chicken coop of the lives of the people of God, and Jesus wants to protect people like us. Jesus is saying, I wish I could just bring you all together. I wish I could just like stretch my arms and protect you from the nonsense. But you, you won't have it. Jesus does not say this vengefully or spitefully. Uh, In his voice, a great tenderness and sadness here. Even in the way he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Like any time you repeat somebody's name twice like that, I mean, when King David says, oh, Absalom, Absalom, or if you say to your kid, oh, my child, my child, like your heart is breaking at that point. Jesus' heart is breaking when he looks over what life is really like. He is speaking out of a deep concern for people like us. Jesus is a single guy. Right? But he sounds like a parent here. Jesus is a man, but he is talking like a nurturing mother. I want to be like a hen that puts you under my protective wings. He is a human being, but he talks like God because he is God and he is possessed by the love of God. His heart is breaking because he looks down the decades, he looks down the hours of time, and he sees that the day is coming soon when in Jerusalem, God is no longer there. There's a temple dedicated to the worship of God and not one stone is going to be left standing on another. This passage demonstrates the terrible truth that despite the greatness of God's love for every human being, he respects our freedom so much that we can reject the kindness of God And he respects us so much that he actually gives us what we truly want and desire in the end. If we want Jesus to exit stage right, even in his kindness, God will allow for that. So this is where the questions of the Pharisees come home to roost, even for us. I have a little Pharisee 
inside my spirit, I confess. I mean, here we are on a Sunday morning. Like, like we checked the box, like we came to church. We're at least partly interested in Jesus. Like, we won't be here otherwise. Want to worship you. Have some fascinating, intriguing things to help direct my life, Jesus. But I have this Pharisee inside me that when my personal walking the path of Jesus gets really hard or gets really uncomfortable or forces me to do things that I do not want to do, like, could you just give me a little distance for now? Like, God, could you just, like, it's so hard right now. Can you just let me do it my way and be okay with that? Might you stop, Jesus? There are a thousand ways for us to avoid God. We are very creative when it comes to finding these ways. We have a word for this. Uh, any way that we devise to avoid God, this is called sin. And we are clever and creative and fox-like in our capacity to come up with new ways. Like Herod, we can be full of ourselves. There is a direct relationship between how full of self we might be and how empty of the Spirit of God we might be. The consequences for not receiving Jesus' hen-like protection, the cost for having my own way, the cost for you having your own way, the cost for Jerusalem having their own way is so high. Jesus calls it desolation. If you are not willing to be full of me, it will be desolation, emptiness, the temple, no longer God's address. So here is this difficult, uncomfortable Lenten question. Are you fully on board with Jesus? Do you want him near? Do you want to camp out under his wings? Are you on the side of the light? Do you desire so much to be there that you want everything that comes along with it? Like righteous living, self-control, People rolling their eyes at you because your primary affection is clear. Or would you like, ah, just maybe hang out over on the edge of the stage, Jesus? I'll call you when needed. Come. But please, for now. I'm going to leave us a moment of silence right now. I mean, this is a, a weighty question that this season asks of us, that our Lord would ask of us, do you really want to be fully on board? And is there anything competing or standing in the way of that, if that's what you want? Let's go and be silent before the Lord.
Lord Jesus, for my part, I want more of you. I want to be fully on board with you. I want to find myself uh, under your wings and close to you. I want your way more than my way. Lord, see your people in this moment and hear our prayers. Church, it is clear what Jesus prefers from this passage. Jesus wants you close to him. Jesus wants you. He wants your feet. He wants your direction on his way because it's the way that God the Father showed him. Jesus knows the way for you because he literally is the way personified. And this is where he wants you, no matter what the discomfort or the cost. He wants you on the way. He wants you to stop running around like a clever little fox, and he would have you live as a defenseless baby chick. Are you okay with that? It doesn't sound like a very proper independent American adult. I mean, a defenseless baby chick. But here's the thing. If that's how you can identify, you are in close proximity. You are in the care of. You are within the touch. You are under the supervision and control over someone so strong and good and wise and clear of vision that it is all going to be okay for you if that is where you see yourself and want yourself to be. If you desire fully to be on board with Jesus, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you emptied yourself in order to fully embrace the Father's plan for you in the world. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would come near to us and indeed hold us close and show us the way. We want to be fully on board with you knowing that that is what gives you joy and glory and it's also what makes this world a better place. We offer these prayers in Jesus' name and everybody said... Amen.